0: Two guys, two topics, two two opinions, two talk. give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Right corner, off the bounce three from Conley, nailed it! 83-76, Jazz by seven. Ingles pops out left side, comes off the Gobert pick, chest it to Conley, gets stolen by Brooks. Fast break the other way, Brooks misses the layup, Ingles rebounds. 94-93, 94-93, push ahead to Conley, to the corner, Bogdanovich, come on, bogey, got it! 97-93, Conley driving through the lane, bouncing it, turns it over himself, Morant open court. Morant driving a boy on, lays it up and in. Really tough turnover there by Mike Conley. Conley to the front court, 22 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. With his white headband, he works to his right hand. He gets Bain switched to him. Now it'll go bear pick. They work the pick and roll. Low left hand dribble in the pocket. Step back jumper. Mike Conley! Yes, you can! Hear me roar! Mike Conley and the Jazz are up six. Time out. Taylor Jenkins.
2: Last night, Gordon, the Jazz beat the Grizzlies in Memphis. Third time in six nights beating this Grizzlies team. After with the background of all that we talked about in the first segment with the issues. Uh, with the plane just to get out there and um you know the team goes out gordon and gives a really gritty performance where they played really hard and came through in the clutch i i thought that was one of their better wins of the season given everything Uh, involved i thought it was one of their better wins of the year
3: here here Jig, couldn't agree with you more uh and i kept thinking about that it was hard not to think about that during the game right especially because Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. But I, I just kept thinking these guys went through something that was quite traumatic and here they are out there getting their business done on somebody else's home floor and a good team. I mean, it's not like the Grizzlies or anybody's idea of a pushover and they went out and got, uh, got the job done. I, and I also kept thinking about how you were right. And I was wrong. I, not that I was really all that wrong. Because, remember, I said somebody would step up and play really, really, really well, uh-huh. and you said that it would be sort of a collective effort. Uh-huh. I guess we were both kind of right on that. You were Mike, not right. Mike Conley was <laughs> 11 of 18, scored 26 points. You were not right. that's way above his average. And
2: Bogdanovich was way above his average, and Clarkson was way above his average, As if yeah, those three, as if those three lifted their team to the victory.
3: You got me there. Anyway, they did come together to, to to get that victory, and I wondered there toward the end whether the victory was going to be their reward, but uh, they found a way. And, and, I mean, here I am painting a rosy picture of the Jazz Trift and whatnot, but Royce O'Neal, what were you doing, Fallon, with seven seconds left with a four-point lead? What were you doing, Fallon?
2: Am I Royce O'Neill now? No, <laughs>
3: Come on, the thought had to go through your mind. And I guarantee you that uh, Quinn Snyder was sitting over there thinking that. How can you can't do that, right?
2: Well, you you can when you hang on to win.
3: <laughs> yeah, but you don't know at that point whether that's the way it's going to be. Well, I'm sure. I mean, on the they'll... other hand, Royce was on the plane, too, and he, he might have been traumatized as well. But uh Anyway, uh, well, you yeah.
2: get you get caught up in the moment and mistakes are made, even at that. And level. he
3: made the next two free throws. Remember,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so ice I, water he, in the veins, stepped up and nailed so, them.
3: So he made up for it. Yeah, but, it stuff uh, happens. The Jazz as a team uh, got to give them a whole lot of credit. I mean, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well, uh, and, and but but given the circumstance, I just thought that was how do you say it? The guttiest win of the season. I think it, it might have been. Well,
2: it, it is a, um, you know, David talks about watch the attempts. And if the attempts are high enough, you win the game, regardless of your percentage. This was uh, good evidence for his his theory there. Because they took 49 threes and making 16. I mean, 16 is a nice is a nice number for an NBA game. Yeah. And uh, they only shot 32% or actually almost 33. So, um, you know, get out there and get those volume threes going and, and hit them at the right time. And it'll win a game for you. So that that certainly uh, appeared to be what happened for the most part to me. And they played they played great, you know, movement basketball. I mean, it was very yeah. um, it, it was very jazz like what we've come to expect.
3: When the ball is moving like that and guys are catching the ball in rhythm and either looking for a teammate or looking to release that ball on a beautiful shot, it, it, it is so fun to watch. It, it's. It's just such a pure brand of basketball, uh, and, and of course, when the shot is missed, then everyone's back on their horse, getting down the floor the other way, and uh, you can complain about the miss if you want. But the 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 uh, the strategy behind it, the foundation of it, is really cool. What we're watching with this jazz team is pretty darn special uh, in a lot of ways, and I, I you know, we, I think Jake. For guys like you and me, and we—I mean, we get—we get so used to watching it that I think sometimes we take it for granted. But it—it it really is a thing of beauty.
2: Yeah, you know, Gordon. Uh, one thing that's interesting about—if you just look at jazz box scores—and this is kind of a, a, a fun exercise—but there's there's really two ways that you can play this jazz team, and that's there's more than that. But I, and I'm oversimplifying it, but I think you'll you'll come along with me. There's really two ways to to defend this jazz team, and that's. Uh, you know, take away the rim and don't let Rudy dunk on you all night long. or and, and when you <clears throat> when you do that, you're gonna be vulnerable to the three point shot, right? Because you mm-hmm. have to you know, help and help the helper and all that stuff. And you have to play the pick and roll d- uh, differently. Or you can stay home on the shooters and Rudy is gonna score 30 and and dunk on your head all night long. And you can just look at the box score. And figure out exactly how the other team, what, what poison they picked that particular night. And Rudy had six shots. He was three of six. He was two of seven at the line. Uh, you like him going there seven times, certainly. And he had the 12 boards, four assists. He had a couple of really, really great blocks. But you look at the eight points. And then you look at the total number of threes taken. 49. <laughs> yeah. 49. That means they were taking open threes all night long because Memphis wasn't going to let Rudy beat him. And the thing is, you look at Rudy's line and you go, okay, that's an all right game for Rudy. He dominated Valanciunas all night long. I mean, he really did. He outplayed him all night long. And because I thought
3: they, Valanciunas got off some nice shots, a couple but of them.
2: They, I mean, they sagged Valanciunas at the rim the whole game. Yes. And Rudy still found uh, ways to impact it, including passing the basketball. And then defensively, uh, he was. I thought he was really good against Yona uh, Valanciunas. I thought he hit some tough shots, and you look at the box score and he scored some points. But I, I thought that was a completely one-sided matchup, and I thought Rudy was was really, uh, really good. But I, I do think that exercise with the box score is interesting. You can you can look at it and go, oh, well, they were worried about Rudy last night. So,
3: so essentially, what you're saying is that opponents of the Jazz can pick their poison.
2: Right. And then it gets a little more complex when teams play switchy defenses and and pressure the ball and all those unique, you know, wrinkles that we've seen. uh, The Jazz go up against a zone. The two games ago against Memphis, they played a bunch of zone. Uh, So it's not, you know, like I said, I oversimplified it a lot, but in very basic terms, I mean, that's what you got to do when you play this Jazz team.
3: Okay, so we've, we've complimented the Jazz and some of the terrific performances we saw and coming back off a traumatic experience to, to gut one out. Does it concern uh, the Jazz or should it concern Jazz fans that Ja Morant scores 36 points on 11 of 18 shooting? No. And that he goes to the free throw line and shoots 15 charity chucks.
2: Well I don't think so. I think Jaw is really good and he is. I think uh the way that Memphis plays they play into his strengths the whole game and so he's gonna he's gonna rack up some points. I mean he's playing that much in transition he's getting all of his shots pretty much at the rim or in the paint. he's not a great jump shooter he's limited and so Memphis designed an attack to really highlight what he does well and he'll do he does that to a lot of teams yeah. Yeah. He's going to continue to do that to a lot of teams. I, I, I still think, and let me ask you this because Boona brought this up on the postgame show. I still think, and I agree with well, this, was kind of Ron, Ron's point, that he needs to round out his game still. That there's some stuff he's got to add because there's some you know, holes, so to speak, or you can you can play certain ways against him to take away some stuff. But if he rounds out his game, I think he'll be one of the top five players in the league.
3: Well, you saw him hit that twenty-five foot jumper straight away.
2: Yeah, I'm mean, I'm thinking about more than just heaving prayers, though. Okay. You know, I, I think he needs to add a little distance on a more consistent and uh, better execution in the half court. Those kind of things.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can I can buy that
2: stuff that Donovan Mitchell's had to work on. Right. You know, not just uh, Donovan is a far better shooter as always has been than Jaws is now, but the the other things like reads and decision making and that sort of stuff
3: and he had what he have, five turnovers i think uh, something along those lines uh, well he has night. the ball in
2: his hands the entire yeah. the entire game
3: yeah which which leads to a spotlight which will either indicate really great play or the mistakes that are made by a young player but you're right he's going to I'll make this prediction. I'll say within 2 years he will be one of – def well, let's see. Let me think before I say Top this. 5
2: is a pretty steep standard.
3: Yeah, right? I'd say top 10.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can buy into that. Mm-hmm. He he has some work to do. But actually the his willingness to shoot the 3 I think is is a strength, not a weakness. Cuz you can't hide from it. Got to go out there and figure out how to get yourself better. Uh, I like, there's a lot to like about him as a player. Me- Memphis is a good team. I mean, that's why yeah. you can't undersell the fact that they beat them three times in a row.
3: And the final time without their leading score.
2: Yeah. I mean, that- that's Man. a big deal. Yeah. If they- we're not talking about Cleveland here. I mean, that Cleveland team was, was borderline comical just cause the, <laughs> they don't have a great squad obviously this year and the jazz didn't have to work very hard to beat them. Joe Eagles said as much kind of chuckled at that when he was on with, uh, with PK this morning. Um, but this Memphis team is, is way better than Cleveland. I mean, they're, they're, they're a decent team, and they play really hard, and they've got a good young coach, and there's a bright future for Memphis. And for Jazz to, to beat them three times is, is really impressive.
3: And they're especially good at the defensive end. Uh, I mean, th- yeah, I agree that that is uh, a fine accomplishment for the Jazz. What about this, though? How badly did the Jazz miss Donovan Mitchell? Because you don't often see him play without him uh there were moments in that game when i i i it was it was clear that he wasn't there and uh no duh, right i mean when lebron's not with the lakers you kind of notice but uh maybe sometimes you know sometimes when a guy is absent makes you appreciate what he's capable of doing even more
2: i i agree with what you said there gordon i w- i would be worried about you if you came in today and said wow they didn't miss donovan at all
3: Well, like we talked about yesterday, there are times when the collective group comes together to fill in that space completely. And even though the Jazz did win a tough game under tough circumstances, uh, they came together. But there were still the holes that Donovan would have been able to. uh,
2: For sure. I mean, he's, he's just he's too good not to have an impact when he's not there. You know, yeah, throw Rudy yeah. into that category, too. I mean, there, there's a reason they're making so much dough. You know, <laughs> if Donovan had an absence of a few games and the Jazz had, you know, no fall-off whatsoever, I'm sure that uh, the Jazz would be thinking, now why are we paying this guy so much?
3: <laughs> uh, so I assume what you're saying by, ask, by saying it the way you did is that, uh, uh, no kidding, you idiot.
2: No, I would never say it. <laughs> I, would, I would never say that. No, I. I it was a storyline last night. I don't, I don't mean to, to poo-poo the storyline. I apologize because Donovan wasn't there. And any time a team is missing their best player and how they play is going to be something that you keep an eye on, there's, there's no doubt. Look at the Laker collapse. But, um, you know, Donovan, the team deserves a lot of credit for making up for him because he's such a good player and they did it against a good team.
3: Yes. Yep. And uh, look, we mentioned, first of all, Mike Conley playing the way he did and at a place where he played for so long. It's kind of nice to see him do that, although it was difficult for him to uh, guard John Morant. But, I mean, that's true for a lot of people. But he performed very well. Um, Bogdanovich. It's still something's something's not quite there. I don't, can you put your finger on it? What's going on with him? I mean, it's not like he didn't make any shots—five three-pointers in twelve attempts. Still, overall, six of seventeen. You know what? Do you think this is just thing a thing like uh, shooters go through—a little slump—and he he'll uh, he'll bounce out of it? And better for him to go through it now than in the playoffs.
2: Um, I think what's going on with Bogdanovich is he's having trouble shaking a narrative. He played great last night. Can't have a complaint in the world about Bogdanovich last night. <laughs> he he made shots when they needed it in the first quarter. He made shots at the end of the game. Uh, he I mean five of twelve. What percentage is still in the forties? I mean that's that's a great night. And he made probably the best slash most important pass of the whole night. In the fourth quarter, it was a hockey assist. It didn't go down as an assist, but he was in the post backing down his guy, which uh, one of us uh, doesn't like it when he does that. But then he had a skip pass out to Royce O'Neill right at the break, who made the extra pass to Jordan Clarkson in the corner, who canned the three. Yeah.
3: It was a sweet play. So I. Uh, Don't hold I, your breath. This he's, still make, he's still making a third of his shots, and, you know, I mean, whatever.
0: He, I, he shot 42% from three, like Jake said, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, listen, I don't know why
2: he struggles making layups, but he does for some reason. <laughs> uh, I got it. If you want to complain about him making layups, I'm all I'm all about it. But there's – you can't criticize his game last night. He was really good.
3: Okay. And Jordan Clarkson, 4-15 from three?
2: I thought he was good, too. All right. I mean, again, the volume three is a good thing.
3: So it doesn't matter as long as a lot of them go up.
2: Right. Because the Jazz shoot 40% from three. So eventually that number is going to come out and you're going to win. (laughs) And, by the way, when they made the threes, I thought was relevant last night, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I, Uh, I just, every time I see this team play, I measure it against the best standard you can come up with and uh, i get it they're humans they had a traumatic experience it was a great win a gutty win i agree i agree i agree but i i I just picture what's going to happen when they go up against the clippers or when they go up against the lakers fully loaded when they go up against the suns we're going to see what that's like uh twice on the road coming up in the not too distant future
2: i know the lakers and andre drummond's toe are going to be a tough matchup (laughs) For this uh, for this <laughs> jazz team, it's gonna it's going to be rough. I I thought both those players that you mentioned played well.
3: I did. I'm not I'm not ripping them. I'm I'm just thinking they're going to have to play better than they did last night. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell wasn't there.
2: Yeah, and Maybe they gritted they out a, a tough win. Right. I don't think there's I, much to complain I, about from okay. last night's game. I really don't. And I Fair don't enough. think I I I think Bogdanovich is fine. I'm not concerned about his performance and he, I, I he just looks don't know to how me. many I just don't know how many good games he has to have before people will get over the boy look at this slump from Bogdanovich.
3: Well he just it, it it doesn't look smooth to me. It looks like something's just kind of a little quirky. That's
2: went five of six from three three games ago.
3: Yeah, I know. I know. But don't if I if I tell you he went six of seventeen it's, don't discard that and say he was five of six from three a few games ago. I'm you not know, discarding I
2: mean, that. I I'm I'm including the six of seventeen and telling you that he had a good game. I, I, I the whole his whole performance does not come down to his shooting percent percentage. No, I know. Particularly that. I know that.
3: him. Well, he didn't have any turnovers. <laughs>
2: Nice, That was great, Gordon. All right, stay tuned. Yeah, big game, zero turnovers. You're right. Hey, we ended on the same page. I feel good.
3: (laughs) Okay, look, we're nitpicking here, but uh, the Jazz had a great win under those circumstances, but they will have to play better, and obviously if Donovan Mitchell is with them, they will play better. But I just keep measuring this team against what they're going to face in the playoffs, and I, because they have won so many games, I, I, for their own good, jazz fans ought to send as many positive vibes at this club as they can. Because if, if it'd be it'd be better for them not to play so well and not to win so many games if they're not going to do the same thing in the playoffs. Because if they do that in the regular season and then they don't do it in the playoffs, then people will just sort of dismiss. Whatever they do moving forward, it'll create a bigger hole for the jazz to climb out of than already exists after what happened in the bubble.
2: Well, certainly a big night last night. Uh, what do you think about that, Roy Williams steps well, steps down, retires, whatever you, you want to call it. I guess it's technically a retirement. He's seventy how, years old. Uh, how old.
3: How old is he? Seventy. Seventy,
2: and he said he does. He did not feel like he was the right fit for the program anymore.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, look what look what he's accomplished. And uh, life is only so long, you know. You gotta, He needs to go out and, and do some stuff that he hasn't been able to do. He's probably been able to do a lot of things, but uh, there's more to do. So go do it. What the heck?
2: What do you bet me pops up at, like, New Mexico or something in two or three years?
3: No. At 73.
2: He's 70, uh, about in a few years, I see what you're saying. But I don't know. It seems like these coaches retire and then get bored, and then all of a sudden they take another gig, right? What did, they are. Where, where did uh, Bobby Knight go? Texas Tech?
3: Yeah. They are They are wired in a different way oftentimes, and there's a thirst for that control and competition. And so I guess that could happen. Isn't Larry but, uh,
2: Brown still coaching somewhere?
3: <laughs> Is he? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I if he is, I'm unaware.
2: Where was where was he last in the college ranks and and had success? Um, Wasn't
3: he at SMU? SMU, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> if he's coaching still, then I, I I'm, I, I haven't Googled it, but let me guess that Larry Brown would be, I want to say. Mid to late
0: 80s. He is exactly 80, is and he? you'll never, ever in a million trillion years guess the last team he coached. <laughs> Not a chance, because I didn't even know this this team existed.
3: Uh, all right, let's hear
0: it. Auxilium Torino. What uh, dude, is I'm, that? Is in uh, Liga Basket Serie A, oh, over th- there in Italy. Our guy Tavernari probably knows yeah. all about. Okay, him. so he coaches in the Italian league. He was fired midseason with the team's record at just five and nineteen. So he did a bad in 2018.
2: job. Twenty eighteen. <laughs> Overseas.
0: Okay, there you go. Uh, I don't know if we'll see Roy
2: Williams again. It's pretty pretty incredible what he accomplished at both Kansas and North Carolina. Never never got that title at Kansas, but went to several Final Fours right in his his time there. And then he goes to to North Carolina. Had the whole academic scandal thing pop up there for a minute. <clears throat> Um, but uh, seemed to somehow come out of that unscathed.
0: You mean where the the classes were fake? That whole yeah, thing. Yeah, where that.
3: They... No, no, he never knew anything about that, Jake. That, well, that they, that's not shock to him.
0: technically what they
2: concluded. They got away with it because of a loophole where they said, "Well, we made the fake class available to everybody. It wasn't just athletes. It was it was everybody." And the NCAA said, "Oh." Why didn't you say that in the first place? Yeah, Case closed. It's no, it's no <laughs> Let's particular.
3: Let's go home, benefit. everyone. It's no particular benefit for an athlete. It's you know. Let's hit Applebee's. Anybody, you know. <laughs> Fine work. Did you, ever, did you ever have any classes like that in college? Fake that classes. Just an no. Absolute. Maybe not a fake class, but one that is an automatic A.
0: Took ballroom dance. Oh, well, that'd be kind of hard.
3: What? What did everybody get an A in there?
0: Oh, yeah, everybody showed up. Oh, it was one of those? Um, yeah. They didn't, like, actually critique
2: your no, technique? No, it wasn't, and, uh, like, uh, Carrie Ann, what's her name, sitting there going, <laughs> like... <laughs> Carrie Ann Anaba wasn't yeah. the professor? He was like, listen, that waltz sucked So, wait
3: wait, wait, hold on a second. You're telling me that anybody who shows up for ballroom dance, even if they don't learn the dances correctly, they get an A? That, that sounds a little bit on the generous side. Yeah,
2: you don't get, like, an A. You just get the credit. You just get, like, a pass. Oh, okay. It's All like right. a pass-fail kind of thing. And if you, if you just showed up and stood there, then they'd probably fail you. But, yeah, if you participate.
0: Wave your arms and shake your and hips. Show
2: up and participate. But, no, they're not critiquing you. They're not saying that Roomba was a B effort at best.
3: <laughs> Were you any good at it?
2: Uh, I don't know if anybody in beginning ballroom dance is any good at it, but it was fun. Uh, a few fraternity brothers and I took it to see if we could meet a member of the fair sex. And then, uh, uh, sure, there were some some lovely people in that See, class. I,
0: I took a golf class, thinking I'll get to golf. I'll get an A. Oh, this will be great. Uh-huh. You had to get. You had to like shoot an eighty on average. Oh, no. yes, an eighty. Yes, an eighty. Yes. Some of this. Yes. Some of this stuff, no. of this yes. stuff
3: is performance based, Jake.
0: Maybe was it was eighty-five, but to, it was. it get was, a pass, I didn't pass. No, I'll stop! I'm not stop kidding. Right at 85, that down is, at UVU.
2: Listen, at 85 is a pretty steep standard. What if you were not like at a, Cascade
0: Springs? What if you were just yeah, a beginner? Though
2: you just pick up a club that semester, and they're that like, were you, plenty better, of us. "You
0: better be to 85 by the end of this thing." That's impossible. So we passed the class, but we didn't. There were to get an A, you had to do this. There were tiers of scores. Oh, there's a
3: there's a way, there's a way to get past that. You cheat. How do you cheat?
2: Well, the cheat the way you do at golf?
0: That's, I
3: think, did what you, he's saying. It, was the oh, strokes. Was the, was the teacher with you in your foursome?
0: No, but the Holy Spirit was yeah. and saw <laughs> everything I was doing is, and not doing.
3: Is this how you think of things, Gordon,
2: that if nobody's looking, no. it's all good?
3: No, I'm just thinking that that seems quite unreasonable that in order to get an A, you got to shoot 80.
2: Well, what's I mean, unreasonable there, there are people,
3: is... There are people who have been playing golf for 25 years who have never, never broken that.
2: Well, it, it, should you be given a letter grade for golf? I mean, let's be honest. At least with the pass-fail thing, that made some sense. But, like, well, if, any, you, if anything... you took a, a basketball class and you weren't the— I took a basketball you class. You weren't Dominique Wilkins by the end? You didn't get an A? It on, was, that's dumb. It was all the it's... grades
0: in the basketball class were more— We had to show that we could make a layup and, and that we, we did a test and we had to write the parts of the court and where the three-point line and all that was. But then there was a calisthenics— section where you had to run the mile in like 7 minutes.
2: That's Jake, the
3: dumbest thing I've part, ever heard. Part, it was part, ridiculous. part of part of learning the game of golf is being miserable, you know. So the fact that you don't get it, there is some some legitimacy to that. Uh that uh you it, it somehow you're you're going to fall short of what your goal is and that you're going to be happy about it and that it's somehow going to ruin your day. So that, that that's that that is a part of the game of
0: golf, right?
3: The only thing that would make it even more realistic is if you had to actually pay extra for the class and lose a bunch of money. Well,
0: Which is you, what I did. You did have to pay for the class, yeah. They didn't do it for free. We had to buy our own season pass to the course. Yeah. Welcome to your <laughs> university
2: system That's, at work. Yeah, you're paying yeah. you're paying top dollar for that ballroom dance class.
3: How many happy golfers do you know? Lots.
2: I'm a happy golfer.
3: Yeah. Do you keep score? Yeah. All are,
2: right. No, You doubt it? I think most people who play golf are happy.
3: Mm, I don't know. I've known a lot of them. Yeah, they're happy to be on the course, but they're not necessarily happy with the result. So what do they do? They go out and buy five more putters. You know, and then they expend all that, and then they need a new driver, and then the irons aren't what they used to be, or the grips don't fit right, so you got to re-grip them, or you got to do something, and you lose, you know, uh, about a hundred and fifty golf balls, and so then you got to go out and buy more.
0: So it's, it's just, hypothetically it's just, right, Gordon. It's, yeah, it's one
3: of those endeavors that that uh, you just you you want to be good at, but. Uh, you're more likely to be miserable than good.
2: Well, if you don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself, then often you're not miserable. I I love the guy that, uh, not you, but I love the guy that goes out there that thinks they shoot 75 every time they play. And any time they're below that just a smidge, it's nothing but curses and making everybody else
0: miserable. And like they're a round away from getting their card. Right, yeah. And, and You're 82. They Chill.
2: They, you're, they you're miss play, a 30-foot putt
0: them? and they throw
2: their putter like, ah, oh, <laughs> darn it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I got to admit I don't understand that.
3: I um, told you guys I used to think that way. I used to think, and I, and I did get to be a decent golfer. I mean, I was. I used to shoot about 80. Thereabout, and I thought I was I was pretty good until uh, until I introduced the game to my wife and we went out to play and and she recorded my swing, and I recorded hers, and we came back and we compared the two swings and hers was about ten times better than mine, and that's when I realized not only do you suck but you've always sucked.
2: Just because your swing wasn't as nice as your wife's, that's. Yeah. I mean, kind of an she, insult she, to her. She,
3: she, she, she's been playing golf for like three months.
2: Well, unnatural. What do you want me yeah. to say?
3: If she's the natural, I'm the unnatural.
2: Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.